Hello and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, the podcast that is still searching for a good way to describe ourselves and what we do, but it usually includes being on our bikes a whole bunch for transportation, adventure, community, and much more. I'm Joan Pettit, recording in Portland, Oregon, and today I am so excited to say that I am joined by our brand new co-host, Emily Geis, which rhymes with ice, by the way. So hello, Emily. Yay. Hello, Joan. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited. So you have been on the Sprocket podcast three times before. Is that right? Yes, that is true. I was on twice as part of my advocacy efforts with Bike Cloud PDX. And then one time playing a really fun bike touring board game uh, called On the Road. And can you tell folks who have not, who don't tell folks who don't know you uh, <laughs> a little bit about who you are and the kind of bicycling you do? <laughs> so I have been biking in Portland for 14 years, ever since I moved here. And uh, for about six years, I was part of Bike Loud PDX. I was the co-chair and then I was the marketing chair doing grassroots bike advocacy in Portland. Um, and then I do a lot of mostly, mostly just riding around town, just kind of everyday biking. I also like going bike camping and exploring different places on my bike. And I am really interested in bikes as like uh, objects how they're different and just all the different kinds of like ways that they can be designed. I have six bikes of my own, which is, uh, which tells you, yeah, I, I like bikes as an object. So I was going to ask you how many bikes you had. I didn't think you, I didn't realize you had six, even though I think I actually asked you that question recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's certainly, more than some people, less than others. But um, yeah, I think it's it for one person. Um, yeah. It's the I, right. It's the right I number feel, for you. I feel pretty <laughs> happy with it. Yeah. 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 And um, we're going to later on in the episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about your, your newest uh, bike, yes. but can you just, do you want to give the rundown of the bikes you have? Oh, okay. Sure. I have a Brompton folding bike that has an e-bike kit on it. I have a vintage Trek touring bike. I have a vintage Bridgestone mountain bike, an MB1. I have two Rivendells, Clem L and a Platypus. And then my newest acquisition is a Rad Power, uh, Rad Mission bike, e-bike. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more later on. Um, so, but before we get to that, we do have some retirements to announce. So as our listeners have no doubt noticed, we have been on a little bit of a hiatus. Aaron Flores and Guthrie Straw are retiring from the Sprocket podcast after many excellent years. And um, we are, well, I'm very sad to see them go. They are both my very dear friends and wonderful people, but also I uh, totally respect their decision to spend some time putting their efforts into other things. So we might hear them around once in a while. 
We'll see. But we just did want to officially let people know that Guthrie and Aaron are not going to be a regular part of the podcast anymore. Um, Brock also um, stepped back. Gosh, what's it been? A year or so. Uh, but Papa Brock is often around and helping out and very supportive. So our ex-executive producer is sort of still part of our uh, the picture. And Armando is still around. He is just tonight volunteering at Bike Farm. So uh, Emily and I are here for what we have determined is the first all women, only women Sprocket podcast episode. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Um, But just in a, in the slightly bigger picture, um, you know, two years ago, Armando and I joined as co-hosts, never really expecting that it would be just the two of us. So when Brock and Guthrie and Aaron over the course of about a year and a half all stepped back, we had to figure out what we wanted to do, what our capacity was, because this is a volunteer gig. We're not getting paid for this. And we're doing it for the love of bicycling and community. So we needed to sort of have some conversations about what we wanted to do, how much time we had to give, and if we could find someone else to join us on this mad quest to have some bicycling fun. And yay, Emily decided to join us, which was like one of the most exciting things anyone has ever said to me, I think. (laughs) When you were like, I want to help. Because at that point, I think Armando and I were pretty worried that we were just going to have to kind of pull the plug. So, yeah. And as a longtime listener, I did not want that to happen. Yeah. So, Emily, you have saved the entire uh, podcast, but no pressure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not feeling it at all. This is very chill, very relaxed. <laughs> Well, so, okay. So all of this leads into this question that I think I have talked about a little bit on the podcast before. I've definitely talked about it on the Sprocket social media and my social media. And that is the question of how do we describe the kind of bicycling that we do? So I actually recently put that question out again, just on my own personal Twitter feed. And the answers that I got were, I'm just going to share some of them. I'm going to sort of roughly group them. A lot of folks said that they call the kind of bicycling they do as utility cycling, getting around, transportation, commuting, practical cycling. Uh, Michael Anderson said he describes his bicycling as going. (laughs) He's just going somewhere. Um, And then (laughs) what's the word that I, what's the Dutch word that I can't pronounce? Oh, feetser. Fietzer, mm-hmm. right, Which is and basically Dutch for I, I think just bike rider, right, right, um, yeah, like a a regular person doing their everyday thing. Yeah. Uh, somebody else said everywhere for everything. A few folks said fun. Somebody said family biking. Somebody said joy riding, fair weather, no spandex. So I've been casting about and trying to come up with a term or a phrase that sort of describes the kind of bicycling that I do, which is for transportation and commuting. But it's also like I have been doing a lot of social rides like Pedal Palooza. I also sometimes even pull on a pair of spandex and ride my lighter bike uh, and go on what I think of as more of a like 
fitness ride or whatever, where I'm, where I'm wanting to get some exercise. Right. So I'm trying to find some Hills or something a little more challenging or you're like, red. you're like, I'm working up a sweat. I'm dressing. I'm dressing for that kind of. Yes. Yeah. I'm dressing to, to go faster and push myself a little harder and, and yeah. And, and probably sweat a little bit. Cause I, yeah, like have a little, like have a workout, have a workout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the other, there's a phrase that, um, Ellie Blue used on a, I think a zine or a book she published a handful of years ago called Everyday Bicycling. But I, I haven't come up with a, another phrase or term. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of, I usually use that too. Like I either say like I bike for transportation or it just, it's like everyday bike riding because it's so at this point, riding a bike is so kind of integrated into my life that it's hard to label it. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard when, yeah, like if I'm, if I'm used to riding my bike, thinking of getting ready to go someplace, not riding takes like some mental gymnastics, like, ah, it's out of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always interesting. Like the rare occasions when I drive or I'm, or like the more frequent occasions of like taking transit. And then it's, yeah, it's always different. The mental checklist, mental checklist before I leave the house. It's a little different. Yeah. So it's interesting. We don't really have a good word or phrase in English. I feel like, cause I feel like if you talk to some people, they would tell you, oh, well, they're a, a road rider, right. Or they're a gravel rider or they're a racer, right. right. There's like cycle cross or all sorts of things, but even folks who are like utility or transportation cyclists or, or commute by bike, we don't even have sort of one phrase because bike commuting is like a very small part of how bicycles fit into my life. Yeah. Well, and I think for uh, bike commuting is part of a lot of people's lives with bikes, but it's not, it's not the whole picture. I don't know a lot of people who are like exclusively bike commuters and especially ever since um, COVID and like the whole work from home revolution, like that's kind of become a bit less of a, less of a thing uh, now. Yeah. And I think that we can see that we have all still been bike folks, even though uh, even when we're working from home, Armando describes himself as bikey, bikey. <laughs> which I like that. Cause it's very, I mean, to me, that's also seems like a very Portland phrase as well. Cause you know, for things like, uh, pedal palooza in the summer, it always says like, you know, four, four weeks of bikey fun. So was that? Oh, does it use that phrase? Oh, I've definitely seen it before. So it, it, to me, has like a particular Portland connotation of like social riding, maybe with a bit of a party atmosphere. There'll be other people, um, you know, it's not going to be, there will be no heart rates will not get up unless you get excited because you see a cute person across the the group (laughs) or you get excited because your friend Emily tells you she wants to join your podcast so you start jumping up and down at Irving Park (laughs) 
<laughs> right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's like a particular kind of. I don't. Sometimes I think of it as like bike fun as well, which is another kind of pedal palooza phrase. Which I guess pedal palooza as like a social way to ride your bike has really influenced the way that I see bike riding in general. And that is a, especially during the summer when pedal blues is happening that's what I do a lot of on my bike but I do use my bike a lot for as a way of socializing with people as like a social almost in a social club kind of aspect so I think of it as like social bicycling mm-hmm. social bicycling and yeah it's really it's um like it's part of my a lot of my community is around bicycling and it's fun and it's very there's a lot of joy in it. And one thing that struck me um, when people were using these words to describe the kind of bicycling that they do is that, yeah, it didn't sound fun. And I think one of the things that a lot of us like about bike commuting is that, yes, it can sometimes, you know, I think uh, this fall in particular, when it seemed like the weather went from like July to December in about two weeks, it, uh, <laughs> it was those those first rides in the cold and the rain were very shocking. <laughs> yeah, the, I really uh, you want to talk about your the mental checklist. I went from wearing, you know, no jacket, no socks to then having to get all of my cold weather gear, like rain jacket, warm enough, you know, warm enough pants, socks, boots, gloves. Yeah, all that stuff. I dug it all out. I might get a second pair of like bar mitts so that I don't have to move them between different bikes. Yeah. And I took, I had my raincoat and I had brought my rain pants and then I just had my regular, I was at work that day and I'm a fan of biking to work in my work clothes, my regular clothes, you know, that's kind of what I do now, but I hadn't, I hadn't looked at the forecast and I hadn't brought a pair of shoes and I did like literally dump the water out of my shoes when I got (laughs) home one day. It's been like, you know, 80 degrees for like how long? And there was not a drop of rain in the forecast. So yeah, of course we like, no one was thinking, oh, it's time for sensible closed toe footwear. (laughs) And that was the day that I discovered that maybe my fenders on my e-bike quite so... The full were, coverage as were, I might were have quite sufficient where they, they were spraying <laughs> water directly onto your shoes I since have gotten some I just got some mud flaps nice. <laughs> installed installed so uh nice. yeah but I think that I think that for all the but even then like even then that ride home in the rain it wasn't miserable it was actually pretty funny I mean it wasn't that mm-hmm. cold I wasn't it was just like such a big adjustment so quickly. So even though sometimes it isn't always fun, there's a lot of fun and joy. I think that, you know, I know that bicycling and bike commuting is really good for my physical health and my mental health. And some of these words we use don't really convey that, right? I think a lot of us are like, I love riding my bike to work because I get to work and I'm not in a bad mood as if I had driven my car or whatever. But the words that we use to describe it don't sound always like they have, they're as much fun. No, no. And I mean, sometimes I 
am not in a good mood when I ride my bike to work, you know, whether because of something that happened on the ride there, or I'm just not in a good mood in general, which is, which is also fine. You know, that happens. That happens. I do find that sometimes the bike ride helps me feel better, but then sometimes if something bad happens on my bike ride, like if I get cut off a few times, I just get so mad. And yeah. I do, and I do not ride it off. I do not like, uh, like <laughs> I know I've been trying to let go of that kind of thing more, um, because I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to start something. And also I don't want to stress my, like, I'm, you know, tired of holding on to that and like feeling stressed about it, but man, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to let that go. That's like an advanced level of Zen. I have not fully unlocked yet. Sometimes I'm okay with it. And sometimes I'm not a lot of times it depends on how close of a call it is, but also yeah. I just had this idea of mm-hmm. you on your bike, like shaking your U-lock at someone and threatening them. Oh my gosh. I never do that. Either. Sometimes I deploy a strategic middle finger, but <laughs> most of the time I try to, I try to keep it to was, would I have, you know, was I bodily injured or would it have been like bodily injury, you know, and then that's kind of my threshold. I think if someone's just driving like a jackass, that's not worth yelling or getting into a fight. But if they almost hit me, then, you know, that's worth yelling so that they know I'm here and making a fuss. I do yell. I I do sometimes yell at people. If they, I had one ride to work a week ago where I think I almost got right hooked four or five times. Um, and and yeah, yeah. And, and each time it's like, I'm looking for it. So none of the calls were particularly close because I was kind of half expecting it. Right. Like I'm just so, uh, I mean, I think we always have to be aware on our bikes, but I'm, I'm more worried now than I used to be a few years ago with the way people drive now. I don't, I don't, I mean, I hope people are looking out for me, but I know that they're not always looking out for me. So sometimes I do yell at people. Although I also do think that I think sometimes when people get really angry and take that out on drivers, I think that my fear is always that then drivers will then take that back out on cyclists who are more vulnerable people, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm more worried about the, you know, like if somebody is like, looks big and strong and they're on a bike and they yell at somebody in a car, maybe the person in the car doesn't want to stop and mess with them, but maybe the next time they almost hit somebody, if that person doesn't look quite as strong, right? Right. Maybe or, they'll is, be- or is like a woman or a minority or someone where it's easier to take your aggression out on. Yes. So I'm always worried that that kind of stuff is going to end up impacting like me or a person of color or somebody who's a little more vulnerable on their bike. So, yeah. Although I have to say, we've really gotten away from talking about the joyfulness of biking here. <laughs> Oops. You know? Yeah. And this brings we've gotten, we've gotten, we've done a 180 into like the dark side. I do want to say one of the things that always like uplifts me on like a route that I ride regularly 
like whether it's to um, go to my office or it's like my usual route to the grocery store is like seeing familiar landmarks and the way that they change during the season um, or just like, like, um, you know, funny, like, like I've really enjoyed like with the Halloween this year, it felt like there were more um, decorations in people's apartments and houses than ever before. And so it was really great to see all of the stuff uh, in people's yards um, while I was biking around. And that, that was really cool. I like, um, yeah, I really like that too. I really like if I'm going to work, typically I cross the river to do that twice because, you know, it's mm -hmm. on the other side. And I love going across the river and seeing kind of the season mm -hmm. fluctuations or the daily fluctuations, even with a big mm -hmm. wide river like the Willamette, it, it mm -hmm. changes, you know, the flow is higher or lower. I, I really like that. Um, I sometimes really like when the weather is not ice. I don't mess with ice, but um, I don't know. I can just remember like getting hailed on on my <laughs> face as I was riding my bike across the Broadway bridge, um, mm -hmm. going to work one day and just like laughing at the absurdity of like yes. feeling this hail uh -huh. on my face, like you know, I like giving that, me a good exfoliation. <laughs> I felt that too, where the weather is, gets kind of so like ridiculous that it's like, you can't help but laugh because like you're already soaked or it's just like, was really windy, but then it started hailing and you're like, oh my gosh, like what more, what more can there be? And you're just laughing at like the absurdity. And then there's also a certain sort of like joy sometimes and being like out in the elements I guess it's also like I know I'm usually going to a warm place afterwards so that always helps as well I uh, a couple of weeks ago I got to work and I I think it was like a, a rainyish day or whatever cold day and I I got to work and I brought I, I can bring my bike into the building and I went in the back of the building and there was a new custodian who I had just met like a day or two before working in the building. And she looked at me and she said, did you ride your bike in that dress? And I was like, <laughs> yes, ma'am, I did. And, it was, and I loved it. She was like, well, you just look so pretty. <laughs> I'm so happy and so sweet. You know, so sometimes I like being on my bike and the weather is just crazy and what's raining or it's hail or whatever. And, and I, one of the things I like about it or being on my bike in my dress or being on my bike, wearing heels is that other people are seeing me and it's like, mm -hmm. I am showing them that this is a thing you can do. This is possible. Yeah. There's like the pleasure in like looking good and seeing, <laughs> being seen, you know, and which is a very human activity. I have my platypus, Rivendell platypus is like this olive green color and I have a lot of olive green clothes. So whenever I match it, I feel very smug and very like, oh, <laughs> me, I'm looking extra good matching the bike today. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always I, fun too. I will confess to have ha having thought about that a lot with my new, with my pretty new blue e-bike. Yeah. Um, it's such a pretty bike wearing being dressed up on it feels extra mm -hmm. fun. Well, what's really fun is wearing a dress and heels and going 18 miles an hour. I, it. it's just, yeah, it's true. It's delightful. 
Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned is pleasure. And I want to take note of a tweet that I saw recently that a lot of people were talking about. A lot of people shared it. There is a book by a writer and activist, Adrian Marie Brown. Her book is called Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good. And this quote is from Streets Blog Kia. And the tweet is, I wish we would talk more about biking as a form of pleasure activism. Yes, we do a lot of things to make it miserable in a lot of American cities, but even still, name another form of daily climate action that brings so many people so much joy. Yeah, that really resonated with me when I saw that, because it's true. My bike is brings me so much joy regularly. It's a big part of managing my mental health. Um, getting me outside in the world and generating, generating some much needed dopamine and serotonin in my brain. Exactly. Exactly. I agree completely. And I think that's what, for me, a lot of the summer and pedal palooza rides were about even before I was working back at work more often, especially from working from home, going on a social bike ride at the end of the day was just, just glorious, just glorious. Yeah. And, and that was, yeah, that was great because that was still like getting to, I mean, part of that was being around people that you might only get to see at those kind of events and experiencing that kind of energy and that particular flavor of joy, you know, it's only at certain time, it's only a certain time of a year that you get to feel that. Yeah. And like uh, a collective, it's like, you can have a lot of, when you're riding by yourself, you can have a lot of individual joy on your bike, but then when you're on kind of a social group ride, then that's a collective bike joy, which is a different flavor. That's exactly right. And I mean, it was so great to be able to do that and to be outside. So to be, it was such a great antidote to a lot of the pandemic where we weren't moving that much. We were stuck inside and we were by ourselves. Right. And so then you have these big social rides where yes, there are crowds, but we were outside moving our bodies, seeing people. It was just, I think there was just, yeah, a lot of joy and pleasure for me this summer. Yeah. And a lot of like really good people watching too. A lot of opportunities to dress up and go somewhere on your bike, which also during the early part of the pandemic, there was not many opportunities. Yeah. I really embraced dressing up for, um, pedal palooza event. I I have a little bit in the past, but this summer I really embraced doing that more, not necessarily dressing like, as you said, sometimes the clothes that you wear for a pedal palooza Mm -hmm. ride, make the actual biking part a little more difficult. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of thinking specifically, you you had that long green dress that I think you wore for the champagne (laughs) ride. Yeah. I'm thinking of some heels I've worn to bike in, which you know, I was uh, at the end of the ride. I was like, maybe these weren't a great idea. <laughs> yeah. I took that dress and I made myself into a mermaid Sharrow character this summer too. Um, not very easy to bike in that, but uh, yeah, it was right. absolutely delightful to make myself up like a, like the mermaid Sharrow art. So. <laughs> and I also, have, I got a um, black sequin skirt that I wore to one of the fancy Mondays bike ride. And that thing was so hard to ride my bike in, but also I got it at the thrift store. So I didn't mind that it was getting a little beat up and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just a, you know, a pro tip for those of you who want to incorporate more sparkly 
outfits and and ride your bike don't put make try to make sure the sparkly part is not over any part that will touch the bike seat or if you can possibly hike it up out of the way because i have a i have a sparkly dress and what i do is i just wear bike shorts underneath it and then i like hike it up to my waist because otherwise wow those sequins can be extremely painful <laughs> That, that'll really take the joy the, out of bicycling. Yes, it will absolutely. The chafing <laughs> is unreal. So yeah, stick stick with stick with tops or with, you know, a dress that you can hike up safely. <laughs> crop your dresses for your, crop yes. your, crop your sequins for your, yes. <laughs> that's, they're that's kind really of like, good. they're kind of like pencil skirts in the way that there's like a very, there's a limited range of ways to make them bike friendly. And they're just, it's a tough item to make work on a bike. It maybe would have been good for me to have that conversation with you before I wore that sequence skirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I could have, I could have, you know, I learned a lot. My friend Shelly, um, when Palooza, she wore this, uh, a romper that was sequined all over and she was, she told all of us never again. She was like, it was so it's like it was the chafing was unbelievable she was like I suffered so you do not have to I have learned for all of us (laughs) what I I think you were gonna say is this is a great time of year to hit up thrift stores to find your shiny sparkly sequins things to wear on your next summer's bike rides right right or if you want to you know holiday season is coming up as well and there will be you know sparkles are always great for holiday season parties so when you're biking to your to those uh parties keep this in mind and you know we could all use a little extra brightness for some extra reflection in the winter so (laughs) so maybe some of those shiny sparkly clothes would be A little shimmer, a little shimmer, yeah. make your bike ride, you know, yeah, make yourself called, a little more visible. It's high, high vis, but make it fashion. <laughs> and here we have the first women only. <laughs> Look, we have gone through all of this and so you don't have to. <laughs> we will, we will gladly take your and, bike and fashion I will, questions. And also, I feel that sequins are an equal opportunity, uh, you know, they're an equal opportunity style choice. I think everyone looks great in sequins. And I would like to say it was our friend Nick who said to me, because he seems to always have some uh, amazingly shiny clothes for Pedal Palooza Rise. Oh. And I asked I asked him for some advice on where he found them. And he was like, go hit up the, the women's section at Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's where it's I've true. gotten everything. It's true. He has an excellent collection of LeMay, especially. <laughs> yes. So. And you, I, might, you might think, oh, when will I wear this? It can be very versatile. <laughs> I have been surprised at how much <laughs> use I've gotten out of some of my. In fact, I actually got a few. A few, uh, when I, I was at Goodwill a, a little while ago looking for some stuff for a Halloween costume, and I, on the Halloween racks, there was a bunch of like, the, a bunch of like shiny things that I basically got for 
yeah, for next summer. Yeah, absolutely. So little. Okay. Well, so, um, pro tips, you, pro tips yeah. y'all. Good stuff. Good, good quality bike content here. Um, well, so, you know, for our listeners, what do you call the kind of bicycling that you do? Do you have a new idea, a new phrase, a new way of thinking about it? Um, something that maybe sounds like it is fun or pleasurable and how do you find? Well, I was going to say maybe also for, if we have any readers or listeners who speak German, is there a German word (laughs) perhaps exemplifies this because German is very good at this sort of thing. Yeah, we know we we were looking at the stats earlier. We know we have a fair number of listeners in Europe. (laughs) So maybe, or maybe there are German speakers, uh, somewhere else who can, who can, yeah, let's, let's come up with a word. So yeah, yeah, tell us how you find joy and pleasure in bicycling or how you describe that. And you can send us an email at the sprocket podcast at gmail.com. So now we wanted to shift a little bit and talk about our new bike purchases, because Emily, you and I both got the same, well, pretty similar versions of the same bikes. So do you want to talk about that deal for folks who uh, maybe missed all the buzz of what was going around about that? Oh, yes. Well, this is, I first, so Rad Power Bikes, which is a bike company that's based out of Seattle, Washington, they're known for their affordable e-bikes. And it turns out they were having a, some sort of free Black Friday sale. And the way I find out, found out about it, and I think you probably did too, was like someone tweeted about it that like they had e-bikes starting at like $500, which is a crazy deal. Um, it is because most e-bikes start at least at like $1,000. So it was... It was the kind of thing that was like, you know, walk or run, don't walk to this kind of thing. (laughs) And then bike Twitter just bloated about it and was like, oh my gosh. So I had been, I didn't, I had my Brompton that had converted to an e-bike and I had had an e-bike before that, but it did get, I sold it to a friend and then it got stolen, which was sad. So I had been wondering about maybe I should get like a full setup e-bike that was a little bit more a little bit more powerful like had longer range than what I had on my Brompton um it's a little faster and so when I saw this deal I was like oh my gosh it's almost how could you not get one you know I had enough room in my budget to afford it and and the shipping was free and it's a a really nice bike so and they were also having an accessory sale so my gosh I was able to get um so I got our, my rad mission which is a single speed e-bike so I got it with fenders front rack and yeah I think that it was it and I got it for under 550 bucks total. oh and the bar mitts you got bar mitts too oh my gosh those got stolen oh <gasps> really yeah yeah last weekend I was uh out at a out at a bar and left my bike outside the bar and uh yeah by the time I for a couple hours and then someone had taken them off my bike so my bar mitts slash pogies uh are no more well that is 
Okay, that is, I'm sorry to hear that. That is so, that's also surprising to me because those are the kind where you actually have to like the bar ends mm -hmm. go over it. Like you actually kind of have to install them, right? Like my regular, I mean, I have a pair of those on the one we bought, but um, I have some pogies and I was in the or bar mitts or whatever. And I have been in the habit of taking them off my bike when I locked it up. But a couple of people have told me that they leave them on their bike. So, but these, you can't just take on and off. No. And I what, mean, they're not made to do was, that. What was so interesting is that one of the, um, one of the bar ends was still in the handlebars and then the other one was gone. So I'm not, so I didn't see what happened. Like, you know, this was fairly late at night and, uh, but it, but it was in a place with a lot of foot traffic, um, like outside a fairly busy bar. So yeah, I, somehow they just got, someone took them off. Well, that's despite, a bummer. That, that despite, is... the, despite the, uh, you know, the, what I thought was a pretty safe, uh, secured, like, you know, bar ends that had to be put on with, the. Uh, with an Allen wrench. Yeah. Bar, bar plugs. That's bar plugs. Sorry. Yes. Not bar. Yeah. Bar plugs, the plugs at the end of the handlebars. Real. Well, that is, Oh, I wow. know it was a real bummer because it was freezing. Cold. Did you have another pair of gloves? I had gloves, but they were not sufficient. Cause I'd gotten so used to the, the extra warmth that the pogies gave me. And then when I did not have them, I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't even I would be my hands get cold so easily that pogies yeah, really same. make such a difference for me. I mean, as, as folks who know me, I know I am such a big fan of them and I might have a pair of gloves. Like sometimes I sometimes I have like a little lightweight pair of gloves just in case, but boy, I my hands would be so cold. And also um e-bikes are too heavy to go on the bus. So it's not like you can just go catch the bus. They're too heavy for those racks. If they, even I think fit. actually the rad mission might be light enough because oh, okay. that, that was another reason I wanted to get this particular model. I mean, it was, you know, again, it was the cheapest one on sale, but it's also, I think 47 pounds mm -hmm. and as someone. So for most bus racks, 50 pounds is the weight limit of the ah, And okay. also as someone who lives in the second floor apartment and has been, you know, taking the bike upstairs and everything, that is about my limit. Yeah. I, I can carry it once upstairs as, a, will, as an able-bodied, you know, 30 something. I will say this, my regular everyday or bar bike is a, is an old eighties or excuse me, an old 75, 1975 Raleigh steel mixty. And now that I have my new e-bike, my blue Jay that I've been riding for a few months, um, I have about five steps that I have to bring it up and down from my basement to my backyard. And my, uh, formerly very heavy feeling steel <laughs> bike now feels very light. Like, I'm like, Ooh, look at this light, speedy, zippy bike. <laughs> I can just, the it's like, you know, like I'm in cyclocross, I'm going to throw it over my shoulder and run up the steps. Oh, my e-bike is that's, that's one thing I don't like about it. How heavy it is and how, how, 
what a pain it is to move around. Um, yeah. But we also, in my household, got one of the new rad e-bikes for $500. So what's we just released recently our new episode or our episode 600 with Brock. And on that episode, I was talking, we recorded that like five months ago. And on that, I was talking about how my younger kid was just not much, uh, had not become really a bike person. He was not really using bikes. And it's so amazing how much changed over the summer. Over the summer, he basically had to get someplace a couple of, uh, he had a summer activity that he needed to get to from my house and the options were going to be because and I couldn't drive him back and forth because uh, I wasn't going to be working at home so he could basically take uh, two buses and it would take about 40 to 50 minutes to go two miles right so it's like that's a long <laughs> which is crazy it's really two frustrating miles you can walk there faster. Yeah. To get to a high school that we're zoned for it's bonkers, right? You yeah. could walk there faster, yeah. right? Or right. So he could take the bus or he could bike and there's an extra bike that's kind of been sitting around hand me down waiting for him. So he started riding that this summer and I rode back with him a few times and he finally was like, okay, yeah, I got this. I can do it on my own. Um, so he's still going, he's got something a couple nights a week right now at the same place. And so when I saw that in, in this old hand-me-down bike we have was, I mean, it was not a great bike, but it was fine for him for summer. But when I saw that e-bike sale, I asked him if he would want an e-bike and he told me I would get the best mom ever award if I got him an e-bike. So Ooh. I know as he delivered on that promise, have you won a best mom ever award? Is your trophy sitting in front of you now, Joan? <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Emily. <laughs> I need to call this in. I need to call this in. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's and cool. I don't know what comes with that award, but I haven't gotten it yet. So what's he, what's he doing for me? So yeah, anyway, yeah, so I, <laughs> so he, so he got that and it's been great because it just gives him just like a little more independence and a little more ability to get where he needs to go a few nights a week. And he's 17, right? So he can get around on the bus. He has a bus pass through his high school, but it just makes it, it, it gives me a little more, um, I don't know. Like one thing I really like about it too, is the lights go on and off automatically. Yeah. That's such a nice thing about the e-bikes. And they just turn right. It's nice that the bike, the lights are connected to the battery. So right, you can so you're, turn them when you turn the bike on, you can turn the lights on, and they're always they're always there, and they're and, bolted on, so it the fat like much much less likely to get stolen. And you're not having to like right now, right? Like I'm always having to charge my lights on my right on my regular bike, um, but on my right. on my e bikes, they're all as long as the bike battery is charged, the lights are charged, which is so yeah. Nice. It's really or, nice. or forgetting lights, which, you know, I often do because I'm just a forgetful person. Yeah. And so that's one thing I've, I have worried about a little bit with him. And so this way I'm a lot less worried too. And I just got some, uh, spoke reflectors. I think I'm going to stick those on the, on the spokes, you know, those oh, like retro reflective yeah. spoke cover spoke things or whatever so that so that he'll have some side visibility but you know of course he doesn't have to turn those on he might not even notice if I put them on his bike <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's that kind of like sneaky safety is good yeah yeah I mean I won't I'll, I would tell him 
<laughs> it's not a secret, but you know, it's oh. not like, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. He doesn't, he doesn't have to remember. He doesn't have to remember to put it on. So, right. Right. yeah. And so I think the, these bikes were a really great deal. And, um, mm-hmm. when it got delivered, the FedEx guy said to me, like he, he knocked on the door, he had the bike and he said to me, was there a sale on these bikes? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, in fact, there was. And he said, yeah, my, my buddy had five of them on this truck today. <laughs> so yes. I really felt like, I don't know if everyone went crazy for these bikes or if it was just like Portland bike Twitter, but it really seemed like the word got out fast. Well, I know, you know, a whole bunch of people that got them. And also I think too, the fact that like Portland being so close to like Rad Powers Distribution Center up in Washington. So we got ours really fast. So it was just like, yeah, it was pretty wild. I am kind of wishing that I had gone ahead and gotten two and gotten one for my other kid too. Yeah. So, so yeah, but they sold out so fast. I remember looking at like, um, because your kid Solomon got the step through model and I was looking at that and I was still kind of like, uh, on the fence, you know, is like, and I, you know, I like step throughs a lot cause I wear um, I just find them a lot easier for city riding. And then when I was looking again in the later afternoon, the step through was all sold out. So I, so I was like, whoa, okay. bye, bye, bye. I know, bye. I know the consumer urgency was <laughs> lit a fire under me after that. And I was like, well, I better get one of these bad boys or I'm never going to be able to get it. So I went ahead and got the, you know, the higher step over yeah, it was. And I mean, I believe they sold out completely before a week, maybe week and a half. It was not very long at all. Yeah. I think it's a discontinued model. I think that's I think why so they were. Too, because, yeah. Cause I was like, why else would it be like over 50% off if they were? Yeah. Not- I think that it was like normally priced at like 1100 or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it was but a I- big sale. Yeah, but I do have to say I've been very happy with mine. I got a friend to help me with some of the, like I put most of it together myself. It was pretty easy, but I did get a a bike mechanic friend to help me with some of the finer points, especially because the brakes were kind of tight. They have disc brakes, so they're a little tight and disc brakes are not an area of my expertise. So that was helpful. Yes, I got help, particularly with the brakes. So we uh, got it built up. A friend helped me build it up. And then I brought it over to Metropolis, my local bike shop, and they took a look at the disc brakes in particular, because that I wasn't able to, we weren't able to get them adjusted quite right. So, so they did that. And I felt a lot better about doing that. And then I'm going to bring it into a shop for the like, you know, hundred miles. I don't, I mean, I actually don't know how many miles are on it at this point, but I'm going to bring it into a shop to have them do like, you know, just like you do Mm -hmm. with your new bike, you bring it in and they do it, you know, about a month or so later. So I'm going to do that and bring it to a shop and let them just do a good thorough check over of it all too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm planning on planning on doing the same, but I've, you know, I've been riding it a lot. Like I've been riding it kind of more than I was expecting, honestly. And I found it pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. It rides, it rides pretty nice. It rides more nicely than, you know, as a steel bike snob, it rides more nicely than an aluminum bike would, I thought. Yeah. I think people have these different ideas and attitudes about different kinds of bikes. And these bikes are, they're 
priced pretty affordably. And some people are a little bit um, negative about them as a consequence, but it seems Mm -hmm. to be like a a well-functioning bike, even without a battery, right? Is at $500 Mm -hmm. is still a pretty good deal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a huge deal, especially in this time of, you know, there's still quite a lot of part shortages and bike shortages in general. But now, did you say that you had a little e-bike shaming situation that happened? Oh, yes, I did. It was the first time I really have gotten it, like kind of e-bike shamed while I was out and about. I mean, by far, when I tell people about like my new e-bike, the results are very positive and people want to talk about it or try to ride it. And, you know, they're like, oh, this is so cool. But then yesterday I was actually, I was riding to work and I was like, you know, I was jamming out to some nineties hip hop in my, my earbud. So I didn't totally hear what happened, but it was definitely an, an older man on an older white man on like, uh, you know, what, frankly, I would have said it was a very like practical bike. He had dynamo lights and stuff and you know, he just looked like a regular bike person around Portland. And so I am like, we're going downhill. I'm going a little faster than him. So I moved over to like pass him on the left as you do. And then I, as I go past him, I hear him like say something and it's like something, something motorcycle, something, something. And like the tone he used was like, real. it was like, it was a little bit scary because I was like, And I like looked back at him and then he said something else. And again, the nineties hip hop, I couldn't, I didn't, first off, I wasn't expecting to be shamed about my mode of transportation when I didn't enter, like I, it wasn't like I endangered him in any way. I gave him plenty of space. Oh, I wasn't like, sup pops, how you doing? It wasn't that kind of interaction at all. You know, I was just minding my business going to work. And I thought he was minding my minding his business, but he was minding mine instead. But it definitely left me kind of rattled because I was, I was, I remember like, he just seemed so like angry about it, even though I had done nothing more threatening than pass him on the left and be a woman on a bike. I sometimes I'm not because I'm kind of a tall lady. I'm not always like visibly marked as a woman, but I had my hair down. So that was pretty easy to see. And I was like, what is this dude's deal? He was so mad about it. Um, there is definitely a thing. There are some people, yeah. uh, particularly men who do not like to be passed and they especially do not like to be passed by women. Yeah. I mean, and I that, was- I've noticed that, like, I remember a handful of years ago, I was on a light road bike in my spandex. So I was going pretty fast and I passed some guy who was on a like slow, heavy mountain bike that he was using as a commuter bike or something. Right. So of course I was going to pass him and Mm -hmm. he kept pedaling so hard to pass me. And then, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing here, dude? Like, yeah, what yeah. are you trying to like, I, you can, you can, you can still be a man, even though I have passed you on this bicycle. Like I have not, I am not doing this to emasculate you or something. I am just like on my bike ride on a light bike. 
right you know, this so. is just kind of the 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 physics of what is happening right now the physics this is physics <laughs> yeah it's just like that's kind of like how I don't know I felt when I was I was just I'm just on my e-bike and then I was like why would you gatekeep like that? Like, why would you be so rude to someone that you have, who did nothing to you and whose only quote unquote crime is riding a style of bike that you don't like? And it's like, well, you wonder why people don't bike is because, you know, some it's like, can be things like that, which are really negative encounters. And honestly, Joan, I like almost got, cause I was riding down Clinton and I almost uh, got caught by, the train down there not being able to go across the tracks and I felt nervous if this guy was going to still be able to catch up with me and like if he was going to be there and try to yell at me some more or something like yeah so it was a little it was yeah I I I was scared it's scary it's like broad daylight middle of the day you know Right. Well, and sometimes when somebody's like yelling at you or scolding you, you don't know what's going on with them. And it is scary. No. And and it it's intimidating, which is like yes. what they're trying to do. They're trying to make you feel bad, right? And it works. Right. And it works. Yeah, I I have one of the things in all of the various conversations about e-bikes. There's this line I sometimes hear from people where they're like, Well, I don't mind e-bikes, but People are able to go fast without having worked up to it, without having gained the skills to go at that speed because they're not necessarily bike people. And I'm just like, how do you know (laughs) when I pass you on my e-bike, what do you want me to yell? No, really? I'm a host of a bicycle podcast. Like, don't feel bad. Or like, because I have... I've done cyclocross. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you all the different kinds of bikes that I have ridden so that you will know that actually I have ridden my bike at this speed before without, you know, just, well, maybe sometimes with some help from gravity, but you know, without a motor, without, without any, you know, and I'm just like, how do they, is it, is it because of how I'm dressed? Is it because of the speed that I'm going? Like, how do you know, I don't become a different um, biker, bicyclist when I'm on my e-bike. So I think that sometimes people are, I mean, that may be true, but sometimes when somebody goes by you fast, like they might be fine. You just don't like it. Like maybe it startles you a little, or maybe you are listening to music and you don't hear them coming or whatever, but it doesn't mean that they're not an experienced cyclist or that they don't have bike handling skills. I think that's sometimes a judgment we apply to people who don't act in ways that we like. (laughs) Oh yeah. And it's well, and sometimes when people pass me, I get a little jealous because I'm like, I get competitive and I'm like, I want to go that fast. But also sometimes I think it has to do and go along with healthism and fat phobia as well, because it's like, you haven't quote unquote earned Earned. the right to go that fast because you're not fit enough is the perception or maybe you're an like it's too easy. It's so often you hear that e-bikes are cheating, which is like cheating. If e-bikes are cheating, what is riding in a car? You know, um, all right. these that are kind of like as a way to like denigrate people who ride e-bikes when e-bikes can be a really, and they're, they're also bikes. They're, and they are like really helpful for 
getting more people on bikes and uh, just in general getting around. When I'm riding my e-bikes, it is it helps me go further than I would otherwise be able to, like just under my own steam. And then I'm able, I have more energy for the other things in my life that I want to do. I have increased my range so much. There are rides that I have done and there are, there's transportation that I've done where I think mm -hmm. I would have probably driven my car or maybe just not done the thing. Um, <laughs> oh, like actually one good example of that would be a few weeks ago, you and our friend Matthew and I met for dinner on a very rainy evening. And we met oh. at a place that was kind of, cause not, we don't live near each other. Yeah. We it was live, pretty far for you. Yeah. And, um, I, I think I probably would have driven if I didn't have my e-bike cause it was really rainy and it was kind of far. <laughs> like I went like, yes seven or eight miles. And, you know, on my e-bike, it just became sort of a fun thing to do. Like, I mean, I had on, I had on my raincoat, my rain pants, and I, I had on my rain boots. Like that's how rainy it was. Yeah, it was, it was pouring. It was pouring and it was fun and fine. Like I was fine. And, uh, I think that I just wouldn't have, I don't know if I wouldn't have proposed dinner or if I just would have like, just not even, um, just not, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have taken the bus there. It wouldn't have been super convenient to get there by bus. So I probably wouldn't even have done it. So, yeah. So I think that there's a handful of things that I just wouldn't even be doing if I didn't have my e-bike. Mm -hmm. So, and you I'm know what, well, one thing that I've noticed too, with like riding my, cause I, I tend to ride like my Brompton or like my rad mission now pretty frequently. And I've noticed that it helps my temperature regulation a lot more mm -hmm. because I'm not getting overheated when I'm on the bike and then getting, being freezing cold when I'm like sitting somewhere for a while, once I get to my destination and I'm not also like you know, I, I am not a person who sweats a ton, but you know, I don't sweat. I don't need to sweat at all. Like yeah. I can, if yeah. I want to, but it's, I mean, I do have to say like, it's kind of nice to not have to worry about that so much anymore. It's, it helps. I think it's helped me realize how transformational they can be for cities because for me getting to work, I live about three and a half, four miles from work. I can take the bus or ride my bike and door to door. It's like, I don't know. It's probably not quite 30 minutes. Let's say that I timed the bus perfectly. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, or, and so between that and on my old bike, it's probably about 25, 30 minutes or whatever. I think of it as being 30 minutes. It's a little less and driving it's maybe a little, I don't drive cause it costs so much to park, which is good because then I don't drive, but, um, but it's a little faster to drive even with like parking and then walking to work. But with my e-bike that is now faster than any of those others. And I'm trying to not use it every day just cause I want to make sure that I keep my regular bike fitness. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to be surprised when I get on my mixed E mm -hmm. and, uh, and it doesn't go quite as fast and I have to work a little harder. But what I was going to say is that, um, you know, I don't have to dress up a lot for work, but sometimes it's nice to be able to get to work and not be sweaty. Yeah. You know, not be yeah. 
not have to cool down, not have to stop like yeah. a few, like, you know, two blocks before my building, get off my bike, cool off before I walk mm -hmm. in, you know, cause if I'm really warm and then I walk in, that's when sometimes my face will get bright red and I'll get all sweaty. Whereas with that bike, I can, first of all, I can take the really good right bike route, which has a ridiculous amount of hills this is on <laughs> southwest broadway which is absurd yeah. but i can take that and then i show up and i don't feel like i have to sort of cool off yeah so that's you know for my job that helps and i definitely there are other jobs where i know like you'd, you'd have to show up and shower or you'd have to show up and spend some time fussing over your appearance and it's it's nice it's nice to not have to do that yeah yeah, yeah. and i and i i uh, I do not own a car, so I do all of my, most of my life stuff by, by bike and having the e-bikes load. I mean, this is certainly not a revelation by any, you know, cargo bikes, of course, that are electric are all about this, but yeah, it's just getting groceries is just a lot. It makes it easier and just makes it less of a, a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I yep. find that really nice and I don't have to. I don't have to, it's easier to like, kind of like put that errand into my day. Cause I don't have to go, I don't know, drop everything off from work because I've already gotten. So I already have some weight on there. And if I put the groceries on, then it's going to be really hard for me to pedal the, the bike. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. The e-bike, I can do that with the e-bike. It's not a big deal. So yeah, we're announcing that the Sprocket podcast is going to become the all and only e-bike podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, mostly I just think e-bikes are such a great, a new, great tool in the range of bikes that you can ride. I don't, you know, I don't think I would ride an e-bike really recreationally because usually it goes, I worry about range and charging and you know, I would rather ride some of my uh, regular bikes for that. But I think for everyday kind of, I love it for everyday riding and especially like as far as carrying kids and other cargo, you just, you cannot beat it. It makes it a way to incorporate bike riding and make it more accessible to a wider range of people and for a wider, wider reasons for biking, you know. And it's a, it's an amazing mobility device, really. Right, right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Emily, I think we should, uh, you know, I think we could probably keep talking for a long time, but maybe we should That's wrap right. it up there. <laughs> many, more, many more episodes ahead. Yeah. So, yes. So welcome to you. We are so, and by we, I mean, Armando and me, even though he isn't here, but we are so excited <laughs> to have you as part of the Sprocket podcast. And I think our listeners, I hope are excited to have you because it means that we are going to be able to keep moving forward and releasing episodes and talking about bicycling, whatever this kind of bicycling is that we, we do. Um, Yay. Yay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and I'm looking forward to contributing thoughts and ideas and yeah keep yeah. this podcast going and so over the next I don't know months whatever we're going to be just sort of trying out some new things trying to figure out what we want to be doing and so if you as our listeners have some feedback for us please get in touch with us and let us know the sprocket podcast is produced by Emily Geis 
Armando Luna and Joan Pettit. Email us at thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to our Patreon supporters, Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Eric Weiss, Cameron Lean, Doug Cohen-Miller, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Marco Lowe, Richard Otterstrom, Anna, Richard G., Campsite, Aaron Green, Mr. T., Harry Hugel, E.J. Finneran, Brad Hipwell, Keith Hutchison, Jason Oftenberg, Andre Johnson, Gregory Braithwaite, Dennis O'Brien, Dude Luna, Emma Rooks, Lillian Karabayak, Spartandale, Philip M., Bike Initiative Keweenaw, Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond, Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Byron Patterson, Mac Nurse David, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G., Rachel Moline, Tommy Rolani, Alan Kessler, and Andrew McGregor. And uh, I just also want to say a special thanks to our former Patreon supporters who have been very patient with us and a bunch of them hung in for a long time. And, and we understand that not everybody can support us financially, but we appreciate everyone who supports us in, in whatever way um, they can, even if it's just by telling a friend to listen. So thanks so much, listeners, and have a have a fun bike ride.